You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Katie from Queen's Podcast. Just a heads up, our show does include some strong language. So if you're uncomfortable with that, this might not be the show for you. Cheers, bitches. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Good looking. What you got cooking? Oh, that's yeah. folksy. <laughs> folksy is what that <laughs> is. Folks time. Folks. All right. So, um, welcome to our season finale episode. This is going to be our last regular episode of 2018. And we're going out with a bang. We're going out with a bang. <laughs> this is going to be a long episode. We've decided not to break it up into two because we are covering. I don't know. What would you call Freddie Mercury? A rock star? A legend? legend uh, <laughs> incomparable. Like, uh, probably the only artist. Artist. Yeah. But Just he, artist. He's probably, he's the only cis man that we have on our, our list of. And deservedly to, so. <laughs> and so it might be the only cis man we ever do. Just fucking legend Freddie Mercury is who we're talking about today. So shout out to our Empress supporters first. Jackie, Brenna, Maureen, Charity, Angelica, Sarah, Tiffany, Jared, Courtney, Kristen, Megan, Heather, Brendan, Melissa, Anastasia, and Kelly and Kate. And shout out to our Queen Consort supporters. Jessica, Melissa, La Michelle, Aaron, Jose, Helene, Terry, Megan, Anna, Amanda, Kat, Yara, Alexis, Taylor, and Stephanie. And thank you to all of our listeners and all of our supporters on every tier. We love you guys. We love you guys. (laughs) So what we're drinking today is uh, a drink called Fit for a Queen. And it is vodka, shot of vodka, half a shot of Cointreau, half a shot of lemon juice, and I put we're putting a little bit of mineral water in there, and so, so as to not burn our taste buds off. Exactly, this is a long episode, so we're gonna water it down a little bit. <laughs> a little secret sauce that I did in this one is I muddled some blueberries with the vodka mm. to give it some blueberry vodka. What realness. is muddled? What is the process of muddling? If you you just it, grind it like you you get like a cup, and then I just get a spoon and like. Oh. Grind it up in the spoon and the blueberries. Do you talk like that when you're grinding? You have to, because you're (laughs) muddling something. (laughs) Well, it's very tasty. Thank you, Nathan. Cheers. Cheers. Clink! So, (laughs) Freddie Mercury is known as flamboyant and amazing lead singer of the band Queen. 
He was a gay icon and the first major celebrity to die of AIDS. Yes. No, that's not true, but the first, one of the first major celebrities to die yes. of AIDS. Yes, big poster child for the AIDS movement. Yes. So, uh, he was born in September 5th of 1946. His formal name was Farouk Balsara. And he was born in Zanzibar! Which, like... <laughs> For like the last 30 minutes, every other word Nathan and I have said to each other was Zanzibar. I mean, it totally sounds like a an alien planet where only rock stars are born. <laughs> like, it, it completely does. And it's fitting for him. Well, it's now um, actually part of Tanzania, which is in Africa, um, by Kenya and Uganda. But at the time, it was a British protectorate state. Which is basically like a British colony. Yeah. Yeah. They had some autonomy, but they also had the protection of like the British Empire, which at the time, it was still kind of like the sun never sets at the British Empire. Yeah. So his parents were Indian by birth, and they grew up near Bombay. They were what we would say Persian. Yeah. And India at the time was also under British rule. Their family was really religious. They practiced the Zoetarianism religion. Yeah, Zo- I think it's Zoroastrianism. Zo- <laughs> we both we both went down a rabbit hole in this. I did it was, too. It was really interesting because I've never heard of it before, but it's actually one of the oldest religions. Like, it doesn't have a lot of people still practicing it. No. Um, and what I read is it was like the first original religion to basically separate a good character Versus an evil character. And it was and one it of the first a... religions to be monotheism, yes, right? so there's um, one good guy, one bad guy. It could possibly date back to as far as 2000 BC. So, Which is pretty fucking old. Yeah, so it's <laughs> interesting. He had a sister named Kashmira, which I just think is a really pretty name. Yeah, it reminds me of Kashmir. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Um, his father had a really good job, and they were living in like... A big house with servants and... They worked for the government is what I read. And yeah. they were really well-to-do high up in the government yeah. at that so, time. Yeah, um, so the Bolsaras were doing a just fine. So Freddie as a kid, and he was just a little ball of joy, happy little kid. Yeah. And had a great little childhood. And something funny that I found out was like his baby photo actually won the photo of the year oh, in Zanzibar. <laughs> the, the photo that I sent you earlier today, that is the photo that won. Is he like the little Gerber baby of yes. 1946 Zanzibar? Yes. So you remember that Shakespeare saying some are born great, some achieve greatness, some have greatness thrust upon them. Mm-hmm. Freddie said D, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> so it was probably no surprise that Freddie always loved music. He started piano lessons at around age age seven. And, and it was his aunt that was like, look, this kid has got some talent. Yeah, this like, isn't you normal need to... how quick he's picking up on this. Yeah, you need yeah. to get him into some piano lessons. And unsurprisingly, he was pretty rambunctious, always liked to be the center of attention. Center of attention, yeah. who would guess? <laughs> right? Anybody who's seen the Live Aid concert <laughs> yeah, knows guess. that he's the center of attention. Um, and he actually had... Four extra teeth. I know. In the back of his mouth. Now, now, was it four teeth total, or did he have like... I think it was four extra teeth. Total. Um, yes. In the back of his mouth. So um, that gave him the buck tooth grin. Yeah. And. Because he did. I mean, looking at some little kid pictures of him. He's got a buck tooth. Poor baby. Like, he never smiled with his but mouth open. But he's adorable. Open. No, he was adorable. But he never smiled with his mouth open because he was self conscious. And, and he always wanted to get it fixed, but he never did because he thought it would, like, affect his voice. He thought it would affect his palate. But mm-hmm. he thought, if I didn't have those back there. I might not be able to stretch my mouth open as wide, yeah, and, open I, it and it would right. fuck mm-hmm. my range up. Which um, makes sense, but... I mean, why mess with a good thing if you... 
You're adorable. Just leave it alone. Keep the bucks. Leave it alone. They're adorable. So whenever he was eight years old, he was sent to England in boarding school in Bombay. He was sent to an English boarding school in Bombay. Excuse me. He went to the England in Bombay. Yeah, there's the the little known England island in India. So the school's name was St. Peter's. I also read a story about his art teacher that uh, he would go around the playground and call people darling. And it was boys and girls. This doesn't surprise me one yeah, bit. Yeah, he'd be like, hey, darling. Hey, and she'd darling. be like, you you can't say that. Like, British people, you, you don't say that to everybody that you meet. That's and he's like, okay, a- darling. <laughs> exactly. I loved it. Freddie once said in an interview later, I was at boarding school for nine years, so I didn't see my parents that often. That background helped me a lot because it taught me to fend for myself. And in the future, he would spend so much time on the road, which you hear a lot of musicians and just people that spend a lot of time on the road talk about being lonely. So I think it just prepared him on how to make friends in uncomfortable situations. And I think it was good for him. Yeah. So the school that he went to would have taught the regular students back in the 1950s what what they would have learned at that time. Yeah. But his so music... So math and history and... And also it was a Christian school. Yeah. Which I found interesting since they weren't Christians, but it must have just been like, what's the best school we can send him yeah. to? Yeah. I mean, they worked for the British government, yeah. so they wanted to send him to the tippity-top school. Yeah. And, that, and... and of course, if it was a British school, it was going to be a Christian school. But even in school, he, his music teachers like realized, oh my gosh, this kid is full of talent. That's when they realized that he could play by ear. He could play piano by ear. Mm -hmm. Like he'd hear something on the radio. Very difficult to do. No, I'm sure. I... I couldn't do it. So, Freddie didn't just do music. He was actually good at sports, soccer in particular. He did boxing. He acted in plays. Mm -hmm. At age 12, he was voted best all-around student. And please look at the photo if you have a chance. Please Google the picture. Well, maybe we can put it up on Instagram later. He's Um, adorable. It's 12-year-old Freddie sitting in front of his big trophy he got for being best all-around student <laughs> with his little buck teeth and his little boarding school costume. I just want to take him home. He just looks so pleased with himself. And be like, you did it's such a good so job. Adorable. Thank you. So what we're getting at is that he had a really good education. Super smart. Super popular. That's, that's good, where we're going. Really good start to yeah. life. Yeah. So in boarding school, Freddie formed his first band called the Hectics. And they started their rehearsals in the school theater, which is just like, be still my heart. Just a cute kid. <laughs> they played at like every school function, dances, you know, parties, birthday parties, whatever. And Freddie was like really into Western culture. Yeah, he wanted to and... play the Beatles. He wanted to play Elvis. Mm-hmm. He wasn't interested so much in his Indian heritage, which I think we'll see a lot later. Also, this yeah, time he started going by Freddie instead mm-hmm. of Farrakh. So he was really interested in clinging on to, like, I'm at a British school. This yeah. is where the best schools are from. Let me so, lean into this. So his music teacher even thought, oh, this music is kind of noise and it's louder than what I'm used to, but realized, wow. He's really catchy. Like, yeah. his lyrics were really catchy, and the way that he performed was really catchy. And I'm sure even as a kid, he was charismatic. Yeah. Even though I doubt he was at these concerts in the eighth grade, prancing around in leotards or anything like that. <laughs> 
Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I have not seen the pictures know. from the school dances that he played. But the the band, the Hectics, eventually just kind of broke up, disbanded after Because they were children. And, yeah, and they're kids. And, but Freddie, you know, got his little, dipped his toe into the he pool. He caught the of, bug. He dipped his toe into the pool of performance. <laughs> <laughs> so Freddie moves back to Zanzibar. With Zanzibar! His, with his family in 1963. He's uh, 16. There was like this huge crisis in Zanzibar. I think it was like a. Revolt. It was it was a revolution because so um, the English the British Empire left Zanzibar Tanz- Tanzania altogether, and whenever that happened, I guess all the, there was a lot of people um, Arabic and Indian people living there who had the jobs like Fred, Freddie's dad had, and who were running the government. And as soon as the British Empire pulled out, the Africans were like. Oh no, we're done being your servants. We're done being your maids. We're taking over. We're taking Mm -hmm. our land back. And luckily, Freddie's family did get out in time. They got out like at the like. uh, They realized, oh, there's unrest. Let's GTFO. Let's jet out here. And not 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 everybody was so lucky. There was a lot of Indians and Arabic people were killed. It's a really fucking scary time for your family. Yeah. (laughs) So let's. If you ever do want to go into a rabbit hole, we don't have time to really cover it here, but the. Zanzibar Revolution is really interesting. Um, so Freddie's family ended up moving to London as a result of all this. Not at, not like dead smack in London. It was no. Essex. No. no, Sussex. Sussex. Middlesex. <laughs> they moved to middle. <laughs> they just moved to sexy town. <laughs> they, they've all sexy, sexy, sexist. No, they moved to Middlesex. Yes. <laughs> I had to ask my husband. I was like, "Am I saying that right, Middlesex?" And he's like, "Yeah, why?" And I'm like, "It just sounds it like just sounds like you're bisexual." <laughs> I, don't know, I was thinking like in the threesome. Like, oh, oh. Who's, who's the person in the middle? Katie getting kinky. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, uh, Middlesex isn't far from London. No, yeah, but it's, it's um, right I mean, England all together was way more expensive than Zanzibar so they had been living in a mansion with servants and now they're living in like a two bedroom house yeah and it was still a nice middle class house but yeah they're not poor yeah and also London in the 60s perfect place to be oh my god there was so much going on in the music scene and he was like Like, if if I'm gonna make something at this time you can too let's go to London let's live our best life yeah and so Freddie enrolls in school, which we would say college. Yeah. <laughs> um, he first had to like go like basically what we would call like a community college mm-hmm. for a couple of years and get some credits. And during that time, he took a couple of weird um, little side jobs. He worked at London Heathrow. He worked at bars and restaurants and stuff. I read this one story um, when he was working at London Heathrow in like um, a packing office or something. He would tell people, like, oh, I'm a musician, so I don't want to lift that because it might mess up my hands. <laughs> He's such he a He'd be like, my I delicate hands. I love him. And so he'd get everybody else to do his work <laughs> Yes. Like but, a true queen. Yes. <laughs> so then after basically getting his basics at community college. Yeah, he started studying in uh, graphic design and illustration. Mm-hmm. And I saw some sketches that he did. Like, I saw yeah. uh, a few sketches that he did, and primarily the ones that I saw were just sketches of famous people, like Paul McCartney, Jimi Hendrix, Cleopatra. I, I mean, by Cleopatra, I mean Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. As Cleopatra. Cleopatra. Yeah. <laughs> and they were really good. Like, his lines and his shading and coloring. I mean, he was a great graphic yeah. designer. It's, it's interesting to think if um, things hadn't gone 
how they did. It, you know, I think he would have been a an artist. artist. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think it's just coursing in his blood. Like yeah. there's no there's no way around it. So while he was in school, a fellow design major was in this band called Smile. And he invited Freddie to come to a couple of their shows. So two of the musicians in Smile were these guys named Brian May and Roger Taylor. You may Maybe need to know those. Maybe you've heard of them before. <laughs> Maybe. Freddie really hit it off with them and formed a friendship and like would hang out with them, even besides going to shows. And Brian May is like ridiculous. Brian May is stupid talented. Not yeah. just at playing guitar. the guitar. He's also oh, like a doctorate in astrophysics or something. Yeah, he's a musician like, too. Like he's, and he's, he's like songwriter, crazy talented, insane. Yeah. insane. And so him and Freddie really hit it off because they were both so innovative mm-hmm. and not just because they were both, you know, amateur musicians, but just their personalities. And they were definitely well. a victim of the opposites attract. Very much cuz Brian May is very much a Jeans and t-shirt, and let me just sit in the back of the room and play my guitar. And Freddie's just like, get me out into the open. And it's time like, for a party. And he's like, oh, darling. <laughs> you just stay there and play your guitar. Darling. <laughs> let me put on this leotard. <laughs> but Smile didn't really need a singer or a piano player at the time, so he just kind of showed up at their shows and hung, hung out, out watched friends. them, and was like, wow, they're pretty good. He did dabble with other bands and collaborate here and there, but none of them really... Like took off and were that serious. So, uh, funny story. Uh, when he was in a band called Ibex, mm-hmm. he had a performance, and the bottom of his microphone just like broke off. So he has stand. Like, yeah, the bottom of the microphone stand just breaks off. So Freddie is just like walking around, and he's like, "Well, what am I going to do with this? I'm just going to walk around with half a mic stand in my hand." And so, if you ever, I mean, that that's kind of became like his thing. Yeah. So that's where it all that was started. his that performance was pre-queen. Thing. PQ, yeah. pre-queen. One man's trash is another man's treasure. There you go. <laughs> so after college, he moved in with Roger Taylor, um, the drummer from Smile. Which also, y'all should go to Roger Taylor's Instagram. He's only got like seven pictures. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> he's not super active. But he has these pictures, these Polaroids of him and Freddie from 1969 or something. They are so young and happy. And in the comments, he was like, two drunk guys or whatever. So I guess also drinking lots and like, yeah. oh, it just warms my heart. So go look at that. Yeah. So Freddie and Roger open up a little shop, this pop-up shop, like in London, yeah. you'll see a lot of like, basically a bunch of different kiosks. Yeah. They were selling really anything they could get their hands on. They were selling Freddie's original art, which... You know what? If somebody saved one of Freddie's original <laughs> drawings, oh, they say. I think they took some of those sketches that I was talking about earlier. Obviously, they I wonder saved how them. much those are worth oh, now. Millions, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were selling vintage clothes. Freddie really developed a love of Victorian fashion at this time, so he mm-hmm. tried to get like Victorian style clothes, and people were surprised when he became gay. Um, yeah, right. He was gay. <laughs> yeah. So around this time, whenever he was working and selling the the clothing at the pop up shop, Mary Austin, who also worked at a nearby Upstale boutique, uh-huh. just happened to bump into them, and he and her fell in love instantly. Oh, but wait, wait, wait! Isn't Freddie famously gay? Okay, so Freddie is gay, but he's a gay icon. But I think Freddie shows. That 
I think today he would be considered like pansexual. So yeah, I I can agree with that. I think that he at that time it was, you know, you're in the when you're born in the 1940s. Yeah, being gay is punishable by crime in oh, yeah. Britain. <laughs> no, at this time, I mean, have you ever seen the Imitation Game? Yeah, like um, that Turing guy who saved us from the Nazis, but then it found out he was gay, and if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, and, like, basically, they, like, had him chemically castrated. I mean, I think it quit being a crime in, like, 65, 66 in the UK. So you don't come out and admit that you're gay. It's not something that you... And, you know, and we'll circle back and, like, talk about his sexuality more in depth later, but regardless, him and this woman, Mary Austin... They loved each other. ...fell in love... And maybe she'll be important for the rest of his life. I don't know. I don't know. So in 1970s, Freddie got his little shop, a girlfriend, playing gigs here and there, having a good time. And then Smile Singer just happened to drop out. And Brian May and Roger Taylor asked Freddie, hey, man, you want to join? And Freddie was like, oh, my God, yes. I've been sitting around waiting for you to ask me for two fucking years. Yes, I want to join your band. Oh, my God. Duh. Direct quote. (laughs) That that is verbatim. Direct quote. (laughs) Except there was probably more darlings. Yes, darling. (laughs) I've been hanging around, darling. (laughs) So he's like, okay, I am finally the fucking front man. I am finally the lead singer of this band. Me, Freddie Bolsara. And he's like, wait. That doesn't have a ring to it. It doesn't. Basara, nope. Needs something more epic. Let me think of the periodic table. Freddie <laughs> Iron? No. <laughs> Freddie Potassium? No. No. Freddie Mercury! <laughs> oh my god, win! Miss May. So, in Miss May's class, you had to pick... I hated her. Sorry. Oh, I I hated chemistry, so I hated her by proxy. I had nothing against her personally. One of our Patreon episodes... I mean, Patreon supporters is Sarah Lofton. Yeah, we're in that together. And she's like, yeah, we we both hate Miss May. Anyway. I I hated science, so I had nothing against her. um, Love you, you, Sarah. Nothing against her personally. I just... Anyway. But um, at the beginning of the year, we had to pick a... um, Something... Like an element off the periodic table... And that was, like, our theme for the whole year. And I picked Mercury. Like, I got... I was the very oh first person... Oh, my gosh. I can I see you. I ran down the hallway. I was the very first person there to pick my element. And I Mercury! Picked, and I picked Mercury so I could have Freddie Mercury on my on my locker for the whole year. I can totally see it. Oh, my God. Where his, were we? His relationship with Mary was, you know, really hitting it off at that time so they moved in together he brings her home to meet his family and if he's ever had any other girlfriends of note like they didn't know about it's her. very no. possible that this is the first and only girl he's ever brought mm-hmm. home to meet his family and they love her i mean what's not to like she is and she was she was pretty she was mm-hmm. kind her parents were both deaf so mm-hmm. she like that kind of That's like almost deep. yeah. That's deep. That kind of almost makes you automatically have like a nurturing quality about you, which and also appreciation for sound, yeah, and music, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they were like the Belsuras met her. They were like, marry her now. Yeah, Put <laughs> please a and fucking thank you. ring on it. And, and then he's like. Hey, Mom and Dad, by the way, um, I dropped the Bulsara last name, and I'm going by Mercury now. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, 
What? Farak. Qu'est-ce que c'est? <laughs> Pourquoi? <laughs> They're not French. Spoiler. I know. But you just said qu'est-ce que c'est. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. So the band have this new flamboyant singer. Who he just... was very camp. Uh, that like means from, I love him. From the get-go. And Mary wasn't stupid. She... I think from the beginning, she probably had... Suspicions. Suspicions, I but... mean, I, I honestly think if you took me and put me back in that time era, I probably would have, like, had a girlfriend, a serious girlfriend, and... Because it's just a time period type of like thing. Like in high school when you had that girlfriend that went to the other high school? Yeah. <laughs> Katie, shut the fuck up. She was not real. <laughs> <laughs> so... Back on track. Stop talking about me, Katie. Um, <laughs> so they're banned. They're banned. Um, they're getting more gigs because you've got this crazy, stupid, talented guitar player. You've got this over-the-top um, flamboyant singer who can who has a five-octave range okay, voice. It's four. Four? So I read it, and it's four, which... Okay. The average singer has three. Three. And if you're to look at a piano, an entire piano almost has, has like six octaves. Like, it's close to that. So he could sing the majority of the piano. Like, that, 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 that's a big deal. Like, a four octave range, that is insane. That is insane. Insane. So, um, yeah, they're getting gigs and then their bassist drops out. So in 1971, they they find a new bassist, this guy named John Deacon. Maybe important. And now Queen has formed. Except they, they are, weren't called Queen. They weren't called Queen yet, um, <laughs> but all the members are in place. So let's talk about the members. So Brian May is, like we said earlier, incredible guitar player, incredible songwriter. And he also sang. Like, he wasn't... Insanely I mean, intelligent. He was... Brian May is actually a pretty good singer, just when you got Freddie Mercury in the band. And might I... <laughs> Nobody wants to hear you sing when you got Freddie Mercury. And might I say, he's... I mean, he's got the fro, he's but... got he's got He's got a very 70s look. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a mullet, curly afro It was very thing. of the time. He's, he's rocking it. He's having a good time. <laughs> so then the other one, the Roger drummer... Roger Taylor. Y'all, Google young Roger Taylor right now and tell... I'm, I'm sorry... All our female listeners, I'm sorry, he's prettier than you. Um, he's, he's prettier than me. Uh, he is the prettiest girl in the world, except he is a boy. <laughs> panties drop. Like, <laughs> so he's a drummer. He can also sing, and he also writes songs. And as I stated, very, 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 very pretty. So like we also mentioned a little bit earlier, John Deacon, the bassist, he was kind of... He's the quiet one of the band. He's like the he, Chris of NSYNC. John Deacon was a very talented bassist. And he was quieter, but he wrote songs as well. He's the only one, you know, Queen still tours with Adam Lambert mm-hmm. as the singer. Mm-hmm. And John Deacon's the only original, like, well, obviously besides Freddie Mercury. But John Deacon's the only one that's not in it anymore. Yeah. After he, which I think makes sense to me, because he's just like, no, I've made my money. I've been in my big famous band. I just want to stay at home and go fishing or whatever. <laughs> I mean, or stay at home and watch Netflix on my couch. Yeah, yeah. Bah, he's bah, a chill dude. Sure. So okay. they're in a new band, and they're like, man, we need a new name. What's our name going to be? And Freddie suggests Queen. And they're like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Freddie, don't you think that's going to draw some attention to you being a little... In the hoo-ha. like what he means by that is gay. <laughs> you didn't, yes. and he had some choice hand gestures to go with that. 
<laughs> Katie's scarred for life. Oh. Sorry about it. <laughs> um, you know, like we discussed, there, you know, not a lot of people are openly gay at this time. David Bowie hadn't really done the bisexual thing yet. Yeah, and Elton John Elton, was like still dating women. Yeah, but Freddie was dead set on it, and he's like, no, it's. And being that we have a podcast called Queen's Podcast, I have to agree (laughs) that it's a good name. He's like, it's strong. Queens are strong and powerful people. Amen. Amen. And he's like, it's patriotic. We're British. And then he's like, and then it's kind of tongue in cheek because I'm a little gay. Because I'm a little gay. A little hoo-ha in the people. Yep. That's going to be the tagline for this episode. Freddie Mercury, hoo-ha in the beep boop. <laughs> it's not. That's horribly disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, right. So Freddie also ended up designing the logo for Queen. Yeah. Which was two lions, two fairies, and a crab. Because they're crab and the, people. And the word queen. Yes. And so if you didn't know... That was a play so, on the astrological signs. Yeah, it's all their signs. Yeah, so it's two Leos, Virgos, and one Cancer. Yeah. After they named their band Queen, they got a fucking record deal in mm-hmm. 1972. Like, big mm-hmm. fucking deal. BFD. So, Queen gets in the studio. Okay, let's be honest. It's like a couple different studios that they record in at the time. And they start recording their first album, which was self-titled Queen. <laughs> I mean, it's powerful. So while the album was, you know, pretty well received by the critics, it didn't really take off on the charts. It wasn't like a number one yeah. selling thing. But, the, at the but time. they're like, okay, well let's let's get the name out there. It's let's t- start touring. It's time to make some let's money, go. honey. So in 1973, they go on tour, opening for Mott the Hoople. Um, just a UK it tour. Was just yeah, it was just a UK, but it was 31 shows in two months, which sounds. Exhausting. <laughs> right. Get me to the bed. <laughs> and um, they also got to go on top of the pops because David Bowie dropped out. Thanks, David. Thank and, you, David. Um, so they did this song called Seven Seas Rye, which I think is kind of a deep. It's not one that you're. It's not a Queen song you're going to hear on the radio all the time. I think it is on their great, like their greatest hits greatest album. Hits. Yeah, it is. It's not one that just a casual Queen fan probably knows. Freddie says when he goes back and looks at it, he was just like. Oh, we were trying so hard. He's such a diva. I know. He was like, what was I doing? We were trying. But it, I, they were nobodies. Tops of the Pop was um, a really popular show at the time. But obviously he didn't and, do that bad because fucking famous. Yeah. Um, go go on YouTube and try to find it. It's really poor quality, but you can you can tell they're... It's their first time on TV. Yeah. I think. But it's a great song. So, so they ended players. up back in uh, around Christmas time. They moved back, and Freddie and Mary move into a big flat. One that they were sharing. They weren't sharing they with weren't, four other no. people because before they had been sharing a house with Roger Taylor and one other guy. <laughs> La vie bohème. And Freddie proposes to her with an emerald engagement ring, which. I love. I have an aquamarine engagement ring. I like the non-traditional. I like the non-traditional. Like and, the, um, the, not the diamond and, and in his the... And in his extra fashion, the way that he proposed, that he's, he gave her like this big, big box. <laughs> and so she opens it up and there's a smaller box in it. And then she opens that up and down and down, like it's Russian doll style. Yes, until it gets, yes. Until it gets to a, a ring box and... He proposed, and Gets she said yes, and yeah, it's a very sweet moment for them. Very extra. <laughs> very extra. Okay, 
we're going to take a quick break and freshen our drinks. And um, you want to hear from a podcast that we love? Because you're about to. Here's a word from Get Grim Podcast. Get it, girl. Get it. Hello, I'm Kayla Knight, the host of Get Grim, a weekly podcast for the miniature folklorist or teller of tales in your life. Each week, I adventure to adapt several tales around a central theme and share them with my audience, along with my own commentary and background on each story. New episodes are released every Saturday, and I can be found on Apple iTunes or on your favorite podcast app. So, next album. Next album. Next tour. Let's go. Let's go. Let's a, go. A lot like our other Queen episodes. Whenever they're popping out babies, he's popping out albums. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> year after year, like every year, there is a new album. So their second album was called Queen Two, which wasn't really received very well. No, it didn't really do anything on the charts, and the critics didn't love it. But regardless, um, they add some America shows, like shows in America for the first time. And that's a big deal because I think it was a stigma. If you want to make it big, you have to make it big in America. And I think it still is. Yeah. Because um, there's still British musicians who gauge their um, success success on if they break it in America. Um, So they go to America for the first time. Sadly, that tour had to be cut short because Brian May contracted hepatitis. And no, it wasn't from the way that you thought. He, it, he, he was so it. fucking sick. Like, he thought, like, maybe he just had, like, because he was sweating a lot. And he thought, like... The flu uh, yeah. or something like that. I'm just No, sick. he had to be quarantined. He had... It was... Like, he could have died. So he got it from... From getting a hepatitis vaccine! Yes! Like, he went to a clinic in the UK back... You know, there's completely different standards on needles and stuff now at clinics. But back then, it was much more lax. And he contracted hepatitis because he went to get a hepatitis vaccine. And they used a needle that had been used on somebody who already had hepatitis. What? What? (laughs) Gross. Gross. So, Freddie's like, okay... We're 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 wasting time for we him. We can't to get just better. sit around waiting no. for him to get better. But poor Brian May is just sitting there in quarantine in America, getting in his head, thinking that oh my god, they're going to replace me. They're going to replace me, and that was never in anybody's mind. No, they just no. like what's always in Freddie's mind is let's make music. The show must go on. So what they did is they Gee, recorded Katie. yes, <laughs> which is also a Queen song. The show must yeah. go on. Um, so they recorded everybody else's parts and then when brian was better they were like okay well we left this part open for you so you play this so this album was called sheer heart attack um, (laughs) and it was released in 1974 two albums in one year yeah that's a lot guys these guys are busting their asses also do yourself a favor real quick and google <laughs> the cover of this album because does it not look like they just got done with an orgy yeah like they just snorted a bunch of cocaine and like hey let's touch each other it's and sexy make it a good saturday night i don't what is what is roger taylor pointing at queen i don't know but his body adi adi mm. <laughs> anyway. katie and nathan are sidetracked so <laughs> the most famous song from this album is killer 
Queen. That has to be like one of my top favorite songs. Oh, me too. I love it. Like I'm gonna say that about every song. I know. I mean, but that is definitely like in the top three. And this song, well, you were not alone because this song hit number two on the UK charts. So it was like their first big hit. Rightfully Um, fucking so. And they were on Top of the Pops again, which you can find this episode of Top of the Pops much easier and much better quality on um, YouTube. YouTube. And they, it is such a quintessential Freddie performance. He's got a fur coat on. Oh my god. He's got the eyeliner. He's got the hand motions down. And it is 100% about a high dollar prostitute. High dollar ho. 100%. (laughs) I did see this one documentary with like an old um, music promoter who swears Freddie told him the song was about him. I don't buy it for a second. No, no. No, It's about a high dollar ho. This is, yeah, no. Oh, God, I love that song. I know. I it think, has to be in my top three. I think three. in our Marie Antoinette episode, there was a couple of times where I was like, just like Marie Antoinette, Marie Antoinette. like the song. <laughs> anyway, so another tour. Because, again, they're young. They're just up and coming. Um, people forget about you quickly. So it's like, gotta go, gotta go. We're ke- like we're building traction. Let's go on another tour. They went to UK, Germany, Japan, and the US. About 80 shows in a year. In J- like... That was his first time to go to Japan. He actually they had a huge following in Japan. Yeah, and um, he actually kind of fell in love with the culture there. Uh, and sometimes you will see pictures from them performing in the seventies where he wears a kimono, and I love it. I love it. It's kimono, so- she better don't. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't know. I'm speaking in tongues, Katie. So, um, <laughs> so Mary ended up quitting her job at the time so, so she, she could, could go spend some time with them. At. Yeah, so she would um, tour with them when she could and then, like, go back. And um, basically she kind of started being, like, his manager. Not manager, but, like, they'd have fan mail coming in. So she'd answer the fan mail yeah. and, like, make sure the bills were paid on time and stuff like that. She's definitely, like, their manager slash, like... His beard? PR. Yeah, a oh, beard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally Because, like, people, people were always, like... <laughs> Is that guy gay? And they're like, like, no, 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 that's, there's his fiance. And so if he like, liked he would put a ring on it. So, like, she really did act as people going, oh, well, then, okay, that just must be a stage act, him acting so gay, because there's his beautiful female fiance, you know? Oh, there's his wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, though, sadly, when she wasn't around, it's almost certain that Freddie was, like, fucking some guys. Obviously. Like some roadies and stuff. And um, Mary had obviously heard of these rumors she's not and stupid. knew about what... She's not stupid. She knew that he was um, having... She knew he wasn't being a saint when she wasn't around. <laughs> yeah. You know? So at this time, they're recording a whole lot. They're recording at like six different studios, bouncing around in the middle of the mm-hmm. night, you know, having a crazy time trying to get all this thing together. So they end up recording what we know now of Bohemian Rhapsody. We're not going to go into great detail about Bohemian this Rhapsody. This is another hour. You could talk an hour about there Bohemian Rhapsody. There are yeah, there are hour long um documentaries on YouTube just dedicated to Bohemian Rhapsody and what it means. Let's just kind of do our quick little recap. Um Freddie gets this song in his head. And he doesn't know what it is yet, but he's obsessed with it. He creates a headboard for his bed that's a piano um, so that he can, like, wake up in the middle of the night 
like I just imagine I just imagine him being like haunted by it. Like wake yeah. up in the middle of the night, write a little bit, go back to bed, wake up again, write a little bit more. Um it it turns out to be a six minute long song. And it's like three songs it's, in one. I really do believe it is three different songs. There's the slow ballad about like a cowboy, like Mama just killed a man. Yeah, and that's and, what um, Roger May and Brian, wait, Brian May and Roger Taylor ended up uh, calling the cowboy song. Yeah. They literally called it the cowboy and song. And there's the opera with Mama Mia, Mama Mia. Yep. And then there's like a headbanging rock song. <laughs> and it was yep. just Freddie's baby. And the rest of the band, they literally, until like a week before the album was put out, they didn't have a name for the song. They just called it Freddie's Thing. <laughs> yes. Like, they would just come into the studio, and they'd be like, what do you want us to do for your thing today? And he'd be like, all right, you're going to go over there and play, like, this hard rock thing, and then I'm going to come over here and sing some opera. And, like, it was all recorded out of order, so nobody knew what the fuck was going on in his head. And they're recording a whole other album around him just coming in one day and being like, la, la, la. We're, scrap, we're scrapping that opera part from yesterday and putting this new opera part in. <laughs> and they're just like, okay, Freddie, whatever. And everybody's like, yeah, this is... This it's is. like, so long as we're still getting all the other songs recorded, just fine. Just let him do his thing. Just fine. At the end, um, Bohemian Rhapsody becomes the last song on their new album, Night at the Opera, which is what a bougie name for... Uh, oh, like, oh, they're oh, trying yeah. to be... What I love about Queen is, like... In the midst of um, everybody trying to be hard rock, they can hard rock, but they can also call their their album "Night at the Opera." Yeah, they gave it a soft, darling. a softer it's name. It's a bougie darling. name. Is oh, what it is. darling! <laughs> and so um, the band was dead set on Bohemian Rhapsody being the new song, or like the first single song to come off the album. And everyone's like, "Nope, nope." Nope. Not, uh, they they thought it was crazy. It was crap. It was not going to last. It's Elton six minutes. John. Elton John said that it was like, please don't Elton John this. called Freddie and said, if you release this as a single, you're going to be the laughing stock of the music industry. And it is probably the only time I will ever say this. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't listen to Elton John. Katie, that's a bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie and the band that's what I love is the whole band was just like no we're not gonna Freddie had a vision and this is different and no one else is doing something like this so this needs to be the fucking single good because it was a fucking hit it was I mean it still is a huge hit I read that there was like a a specific DJ that would only play that song every single day Freddie made friends with um, like a local DJ who was also closeted gay yeah and And was like like, oh my gosh play the song and so the band was then like like it was it was getting some traction it was getting some interest and then the band was like um we want to make a video and back then you know that wasn't the thing yeah no people made promotional videos videos, but they were like usually just videos of the band playing it's not videos like we know today and so um the average video back then music video cost about five hundred dollars and so when freddie went to the music uh went to their record label label and was like we want five thousand dollars they were like you meant five hundred right 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 he's like Um, no i meant i meant five thousand and are you sure and they were just like Absolutely not. Yeah, no thank you. And he was like, look, 
If you don't see a return on your investment, I will personally pay you back. And the record company's like, okay, it's all on you, Freddie. It's all on you. You got it's this. We would not have music videos, as you know. If there was no Bohemian Rhapsody video, there would have been no Thriller video. No MTV. There would have been no MTV. No MTV. There wouldn't have been the concept for it. Thanks, Fred. Bohemian Rhapsody blows up. The video blows up. Boom. They go to number one in the UK. I think they're in, like, number the top ten, top five in the US. The whole album was a fucking hit. And Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't the only, like, song that... No, there's a ton of songs in there. You that know that great. song? Ooh, you're my, my best friend. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you make me live... Uh, John Deacon. John <laughs> Kenny can sing this for hours and hours. John Deacon actually wrote that for his oh, then-girlfriend, now-wife. Get yeah. it, John Deacon. Yeah. Um, there's a gorgeous ballad on that album called Love of My Life, which Freddie wrote um, for Mary. And then there's a song called The Prophet Song, which isn't, like, super famous, but it's, like, nuts, and I love it. It's, like, about, like, the end of the world or whatever, and, like, they talk about, like, Noah's Ark. It's bananas. Listen to it. So oh, but wait. I have to mention that Freddie with Bohemian Rhapsody, he didn't really like to perform the song. Because he'd have to sit behind the piano. Yeah, he and when liked he performed, to perform. When like... he performed, he didn't want to be... Behind a piano. Yeah, confined. He wanted to be dancing in the middle of the stage. So, anyway, they went on tour and And they're making cash, honey. Money, honey. Money, honey. (laughs) They are banking. Um, But it was on this tour that Freddie started sleeping regularly with somebody. Like, he had had hookups here and there with guys, but this was like his first. And they weren't, they never became like boyfriends, but, you know, his regular fuck buddy. And so... Sign me up. <laughs> but that's when he realized, he was like, okay, I need to tell Mary about this. Yeah, and Mary was, you know, she kind of knew what was it, happening. She was It could have cool been worse. It. Yeah. She, she was, she was more was or less cool with... Obviously, it's going to hurt your feelings when you find out your partner of six years is, is not, sleeping with somebody else. Yeah, regardless if it's a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's going to hurt your feelings regardless of your suspicions. But... She didn't, I mean, she stayed a fixture in his life for the rest of his life. Yeah, so. and he literally went to her and was like, hey, I'm bisexual. And she went, no, Freddie, you're gay. It's kind of like similar to what happened with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, Nathan, you're gay. Oh, honey. <laughs> and their, their romantic relationship was gone at that point. So Freddie bought a house in Kensington, London. So Mary was still in their old apartment. And Freddie kind of looked around. He was like, why do I get this big house? And just because we, I cheated on her, she has to stay in an apartment. So That's he, not fair. He was like, you know what? Let me upgrade you. And Let he, me upgrade you. So he um, bought her a really nice flat, like, two blocks from him. And guess what she did? She, she took care of his cats. I know. <laughs> like, she basically, she was already kind of, like, managing his personal life, and it just stepped up a notch, because his career had stepped up a notch. I, I, uh, so I she rem- was, like, answering his uh, fan mail, paying his bills, and at this point he had, like, three or four cats, so he would, like, call. He would call whenever he was out of town and be like, put the cats on the phone. <laughs> so she was dealing with that. I remember, <laughs> right. I remember, like, the, the names of his cat was, like, Tom jerry get it <laughs> yeah like and he had some biblical references like it, he obviously loved his cats he loved <laughs> but in the end um 
There was no hard feelings with their breakup. She was his assistant for the rest of his life. They, she was his best friend yeah. for the rest of his life. Um, so yeah, let's discuss his sexuality. His parents were super conservative and still alive, so he refused to talk about his personal life in makes the press. Sense. It makes sense. That generation yeah. just didn't talk about that. It wasn't... And yes, he slept with a lot of dudes and um, really like um, embraced the gay culture, but he never described himself as gay. He told people... Um, there's this podcast that I listen to called Dead Rock Stars, and it's these, um, y'all should definitely listen to it if you have an interest in classic rock. It's these two rock reporters that were, like, reporting on stories for, uh, Rolling Stone and shit back in, like, the 60s and 70s, and one of them, they did a Freddie Mercury episode, and one of them was like, um, I was friends with Freddie, and I talked to him at a party once about, like, you're sleeping with that girl, but I thought you were sleeping with that guy last week, and he's like darling i'll fuck anything that moves (laughs) (laughs) so true um and as i said i think he would be considered pansexual these days like he probably leaned more towards men but um so my theory is uh, the kinsey scale it's zero to six zero is 100 percent gay six is i mean excuse me zero is 100 percent straight Mm -hmm. six is 100 percent gay Freddie's a solid four. Okay. Like, he's not 100% bisexual. I can get on board with that. He leans to guys. Yeah. He will still have sex with girls all day long, but he leans There's another podcast I listen to. He leans to the pee. I can't remember it right now. Um, If people ask, y'all message us and I'll send the link to you. So there's this podcast with this woman who's like um, a psychic. I remember you telling me about that. And she has an episode about um, saying that she, like, communicated with Freddie from beyond. And she does an interview with him from beyond. And it's, um, parts of it are kind of slow because she does a lot of um, stopping and talking about, like, Harry Potter or something. And I'm just like, move on. You're talking to Freddie Mercury. Why are you talking about (laughs) Harry Potter? But, um... (laughs) And, I, and so, like, I don't know how much salt you can put into this, but I found it really interesting that she said that he would be like, um, oh, when we were on the road, you could never get a good home-cooked meal, so I would always go home with ladies so they'd cook me a meal in the morning. And I'd be like, hey, you got to sleep with Freddie Mercury? I got some good scrambled eggs the next day. <laughs> and you know, he was sitting at the, the table going, darling, this darling, is a fabulous meal. <laughs> Anyway. So, Freddie was known for being over the top, absolutely daring, just didn't take any chance, like, just went with it. But at parties, if, like, it was different. Like, if he didn't know anybody at a party, he would kind of sit in the corner, assess the situation, see if any of his friends were showing up, not necessarily be the center of attention, but if it was a party with all people he knew... He was then, out loud and proud. Then he was, he was always <laughs> center stage, being like, look at me, let me tell this story. <laughs> I, can, I can relate to that. I think I'm kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, so he definitely had a different persona publicly than how he lived yeah. in, like, his life. So anyway, back to the music. They're huge stars. They are. Huge at this time. They are huge. Over the next three years... They put out three albums and do three major tours, which again, 
sounds exhausting. So, Somebody to Love, which Yeah, was... so the songs from those three albums that they put out in three years, the bangers that you know, are Somebody to Love. Which was influenced by Aretha Franklin, and thank you. Yes. <laughs> the great song. Um, yeah, so he's... Uh, Freddie saw Aretha do gospel music, and he was like, I want to write a gospel song. It's like he just had an epiphany. And I read... Um, it turned into somebody, somebody, somebody. So I read this one <laughs> review of um, that song where, you know, it was a modern day review, and people who write modern day reviews don't... You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. They didn't realize it was going to be such a classic. But they wrote it off just being like, it's like Freddie was just trying to recreate Bohemian Rhapsody because of all the layered voices and everything. Okay. I mean, fine. No. <laughs> I mean, no, but even if he was just trying to recreate Bohemian Rhapsody... Still genius. It's still an amazing mm-hmm. song. I mean, the opening, like that acapella, and it does feel very gospel oh. oh, it's gorgeous. And he also created another two songs that you may or may or not heard of. Uh, we Will Rock You, and We Are the Champions. Oh, maybe you've heard them before. Uh, Actually, I think Brian May was probably more instrumental in writing Writing those. the songs that But he still, they, he wrote for Freddie to sing. Yeah. He knew, he was like, I mean, if there's any voice to be like an anthem. It's his. It's Freddie. <laughs> yeah. And the other songs that he wrote was... Fat Bottom Girls, You Make the Rockin' World Go Round. And... Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I like to ride my bicycle. bicycle. I want to ride my bike. And then um, also during this time, they put out the song Don't Stop Me Now. Fun fact. <laughs> Don't Stop Me to Now is scientifically the most upbeat song ever. Yeah. A real neuroscientist did a study in 2013 to determine the song that made the most people happy. And of all the songs they sampled, like they did, like they tested like heart rate, they tested like brain frequencies, like everything. And the song, out of all the songs they tested across the board, Queen's "Don't Stop Me Now" made the people the happiest. Don't stop me now. It's on. It's on my running mix. Having a good, good time. I'm having, having a good, good time. time. Yeah, no, it's a it fantastic was. It was. fucking song. But by this last tour, nineteen seventy-eight. They were getting a little tired, and it kind of showed. I mean, if they you've been touring for the last year. Oh, no. They, like, uh, what has it been? Like, six years since they years had a break? Years and years, KT. Oh, they, of course they were starting to show that they were tired. Can you blame them? Mm-mm. So, Queen and popular culture at this time, um, by the very late 70s and early 80s, they were starting to be viewed as a band on the decline. Um, punk yeah. was picking up. Yeah. And they were a little too campy for punk. They were a little too bougie for punk. Yeah, they were. Well, you know what? Everything's too bougie for we punk. Love bougie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Freddie did not mind one bit that he was bu- viewed as pretentious. Nope. Not all. I mean, it was like around this time, Freddie was like prancing around in leotards. And he um, he did a performance with the London Ballet Company. Like, the fucking Royal Ballet Company. Yeah. And he's in his tights, and he's singing, and Google the pictures. It's, <laughs> it is the gayest thing I've Yeah, ever it, it seen. totally is, and I love it. I love it. And he oh told, he told um, an interview, he was like, 
I'm trying to bring ballet to the masses, darling. Yes, and of darling. Course, and of course, like, the sex pistols are over there being like, the fuck? Oh, what the hell are you talking There's about? There's a really funny story of, um, so, Freddie did not care for punk rock one bit, which... I, I, I'm not surprised. There's no melody, there's no... It's too grungy. There's a few punk bands I like, so I can't say... Yeah, but, I, like, I like punk, but too. But for Freddie... Not so much. Not not his jam. And um, there's a story about like um, the Sex Pistols and Queen were recording at the same studio, and Sid Vicious comes in and is like, "Freddie, you're trying to bring ballet to the masses." And what did he call him? He was like, "Oh, Mr. Ferocious." Yes, it was Mr. <laughs> Ferocious. He's like, "Oh, Mr. Ferocious," and which like was yeah. a slap in the face to Sid Vicious because they were so famous at this yeah, point that he was like. like Sid Vicious, Sid Ferocious. He was like, oh, Mr. Ferocious. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. He's never too shy. So they, Freddie didn't mind being pretentious, but... But oh. at this time, this is whenever he really, like, changed his image. Yeah. So they had an album that came out, and they had a few photos in the album, and he ditched the... I mean, because up until now, he'd been wearing the leotards, long hair, dramatic... And that's all very 70s, but we're moving into the 80s at this point. And Freddie was, like, heavily influenced by the 80s culture. The gay culture, specifically the American gay culture. Yes, and so he donned on the... Short hair. Tight jeans. Mustache. Yes, and so... Like, tank top. It was a very, like... Think middle class American man, working guy sort of image. The guy from so um the look was called the clone, and that's from the cop the character, clubs. the gay cop character from the Village People. Yeah, how he had the mustache and wore the tight pants. Yeah, and everything. his name is Glenn Hughes, so that's where it's directly drawn from. But it's like the mustache with like the short, tight pants with yeah. the little tank top, like, and also the mustache uh, covered his buck teeth, so he yeah. did a lot more smiling showing his teeth. Then it also hit his killer cheekbones. I know that is such a. Di- like it's a distraction. Nathan and I had a debate before we recorded about um, which look was better, his seventies or his eighties look. And the eighties look is so much more iconic with the mustache and the tight yeah, jeans and very everything. Very, te- very Freddy. But oh my god, the seventies with his long hair, those cheekbones. Uh, they could cut steel. Those cheekbones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so the, in nineteen eighty, they put out another album. Um, this album was called The Game. Which um, is one I grew up with, so I do love it, though it wasn't one of the more commercially successful ones. And you may know the game from the hit single, Another One Bites Dust. Boom, boom, boom. Another, Another One, one bites, bites Dust. dust. <laughs> you might not know this, or you might. I don't know your life. The an- <laughs> Another One Bites the Dust was a huge crossover hit with the fairly new hip-hop scene. Oh, yeah. Like, hip-hop was really new at this point. It's got a good beat. It's got a really good beat. It was it was a really like it was being played at hip hop clubs and stuff and being mixed with different crossover from like rock to R and B type of thing. Exactly. I mean, they were still on the decline at this point, and the Washington Post actually wrote about them. They're not nice. This was supposed to be the Queen comeback, but no such luck. Ouch! That's a it's a good album. I mean. The, another one bites the dust is the only one that's like 
you know, that everybody knows. But it was still a really good album. Newsflash, the Washington Post doesn't always get it right. And also, <laughs> when, since when is the Washington Post, like, your go-to music? music? Experts. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, bitch. <laughs> anyway, so as we mentioned, Freddie was really embracing the American gay culture. And he starts... Party hardy. I mean, he kind of starts to be kind of a little bit of a cliche for a couple of years here. Mm. You know what I mean? Of the, he gets into the, the gay scene. rock star. I think at this point, I think he's in Berlin. Like, I believe he's yeah, like transitioning. Maybe. So he's getting the underground Berlinese. And um, he starts doing a lot of drugs and like not showing up for gigs. And this is one thing everybody should know about Queen. Most bands in the 70s, you could expect their members to maybe OD one night and stuff like that. Queen was not like that. They drank, but... They were consistent. And they probably did coke from time to time, but they showed up for their shows. Yeah. Nobody showed up fucked up. Very Nobody. out of character for him So not whenever up. he started really embracing this party life, it drove a wedge in between him and the other people in the band. So let's not be like those other bands and break They were like, let's not be a cliche here. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be legends. Come on. Legendary. Um, but yeah, his behavior was becoming more and more erratic. He was going out to gay bars and staying out all night. Though there is a really fun story. Um, I guess fun. I don't know. Elton John tells a story about... <laughs> After one night in, um, they were partying all night at a gay bar in New York. And so afterwards, Freddie throws um, a party at his hotel. And he hires um, both male and female models to lounge around naked. Mm. He, he hired little little people to... It doesn't sound right. Anyway, he hired... There's li- no politically correct way he, to say um, it. He hired little people to carry around trays of cocaine... And then you could pick up your bit of cocaine and you would go snort it off the naked model. And that's a Freddie Mercury party, ladies and gentlemen. Diva. I don't know. When I was 19, I probably... <laughs> would be, I would be at that party. When I was 19, I probably would have wanted to be at that party. Right now, I'm But like, at 33, no, no thank, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I would rather go home and watch some Hulu. <laughs> I know. I know. I stay out till 1030. I'm like, SNL's on, guys. Let's go. <laughs> I gotta go home. <laughs> I gotta be at the gym at 6 in the morning. Let's go. Yeah, so at this time, they put out another album called hot space and y'all hot space what it was it was kind of a hot mess i'm very proud of myself for that (laughs) no but the one song the one song you know off hot space is under pressure so freddie was really trying to make an album that would be played at gay clubs but ironically I think this is like the only queen album that you never hear songs from no you really don't you don't yeah, um... Because his manager at the time wanted to be like, let's make music that appeals yeah. to gay people. And no, he was like, just, no, no, it's not, no, no. So, this album did poorly, and Freddie took it personally. I, I, I don't... So, Queen takes a break because they have been in each other's faces, in each other's lives, nonstop for ten years at this point. Yeah. You know what? I think they... Deserve a fucking break. And guess what? They do Flash Gordon. (laughs) Somewhere in that break, they find the time to do the soundtrack to Flash Gordon, which is Flash. I don't know the words to Flash Gordon. I've never. Have you ever seen Flash Gordon? No, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't either. And then they do the soundtrack to Highlander, which I've also never seen. Have you? Nope. Nope. Okay. Cool. Um. (laughs) 
cool. cool I know, cool, I know cool. every Queen album except for the ones they do for <laughs> <laughs> Um so, so two years off doesn't seem like a long time. But, but it, it is to them when they've been like back to back to back. For 12 years. Non-stop. And so, yeah, two years. They needed a break. And so everyone does their own thing for a couple of years. So Freddie's relationships at this time... And his friendships. Let's t- let's talk a little bit of just about like his personal life, both romantically and just fun at this time. Yeah, right. He he meets a guy named Bill Reed. And... Oh, drama, drama, drama. I think everybody has that one like drama relationship in their yeah, life. Totally. And this was Freddie's. And it was completely crazy and volatile and just, just like, not the right place. One time they stayed up screaming at each other so bad that Freddie lost his voice. Which was inopportune, because Queen was performing on SNL the next day. Maybe you've heard of it. And, like, he barely got his voice back in time for the performance. But he still performs. But he still performs. Let's, let's be real. if nothing else, he is a showman. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Princess Diana were friends, which is fun. So one night, a few of them were just sitting around... Watching the Golden Girls. How awesome. Of course they were. And they were like, let's go to a gay club because we're watching the Golden Girls. everybody besides Diana, it was already known that they'd hang out for a little bit and then go out. And just Diana wouldn't go with them because you couldn't take her anywhere. Because cameras, flash, flash, cameras, flash, flash. And so they're all like, all right, honey. And they get ready to go out. And she's like, I really want to go out. And they're like, how? And so Freddie goes... I know. I know. <laughs> Let's dress her up as a man. So they dress her up avi- in like the clone look. Basically, the- aviator sunglasses. You get a little like stipple brush with like black thing and put a little beard they on her. They put a little beard on her, a little mustache on her, some aviators, um, a camouflage she, hat. She look like a man. She look like a man. <laughs> and they go out. They only stayed out. Like, it was such a rush just to even be out with her for, like, 20 minutes. They only stayed out for, like, half an hour or something. And then all went home. But, like, I would have... How, Died! How much money I would give every single cent in my bank account to have been part of that posse. Been like, hey. Of Freddie Mercury and Princess Diana With out aviator on the sunglasses. <laughs> yes. yes! Queen! Yes! <laughs> Thank you! Please! And... Okay, once Freddie did a tour in the U.S. And he found out the guy that he was seeing at the time named Tony Baston had been running around on him. Like, this is literally how it went. He called Tony and was like, hey, Tony, I got you a ticket to come to the U.S. And Tony was like, cool, be there tomorrow. Tony lands in New York. Freddie meets him at the airport and goes, I heard you've been fucking around. We're done. Here's your ticket back to London. It leaves in an hour. Ouch. Cold-hearted snake. <laughs> Look into his eyes. Uh oh. Anyway, um, so he was actually supposed to collaborate with Michael Jackson. Which, how awesome would that be? An MJ Freddie collaboration. But their personalities clash so bad that it are never you surprised? Happened. Are you Not surprised that they are the exact same Not type of queen? One <laughs> like there's conflicting stories. Like there's stories from MJ's people that say that Freddie would show up doing coke or Freddie would show up drunk so Michael didn't want to work with him but then there's like stories from Freddie's side saying that MJ was like such a diva that even Freddie couldn't handle him 
Both are equally plausible. Plausible. (laughs) They are equally acceptable. (laughs) Oh, and we can't talk about his relationships without talking about his relationships with his cats, which we've already touched on a little bit. Sorry, you liked a little bit of pussy. No. (laughs) No, he didn't. (laughs) We mean actual cats. He He had so many cats. He loved them. Yeah, I remember, like, reading all the names of them. Yeah. Great. Beautiful. And then... In 1985, he, right after Live Aid, he started his only other serious relationship besides Mary with a man named Jim Hutton, who was a hairdresser from London, and um, they were together for about six years. Yeah, they really hit it off. I think the two were like peas and carrots, Jenna. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, They're back at the studio. They take their two years off. Mm-hmm. They're back in the studio in 1982. Um the the album was called The Works. It was fine. It got it got mostly fine reviews. Ish. Its big hits were Radio Gaga and I Want to Break Free. So um, Radio Gaga is is where, where Lady Gaga gets her name. Yes. So what I Queen read, is so influential. Like, right. <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. So uh, Roger Taylor's kid looked mm-hmm. at the radio and went radio. And then he... It was a baby, so he said, Gaga, yeah, as babies like do. Yeah, like he just said, radio, and then the, the parent was like, what? And he just pointed at the radio and went, Gaga. And then and that's like, where that song it's was a, born. It's a really interesting song, and it was a big hit for them when they hadn't had a big hit in a while. And it was just sort of like the... Kind of like speaking to the generation about like what radio and pop music meant to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, I Want to Break Free was a great song, but it was infamous in the U.S. because it got banned from MTV because everybody, all the members of Queen were in drag for it. And it was so funny. Like, what I read was, is that it's just a bunch of music executives being like, oh, it's not rock star. You're not a rock star if you're dressing in drag. It's so fucking ridiculous. Yes, you are a rock star if you dress in drag. Also. And you perform. Also, (laughs) look. Go go and look at the video. Um, they're not they're not taking drag seriously. No, they're because not. Freddie has his mustache. They're camp. They're just being silly. Honestly, the only person that kind of looks like a woman in this video is Roger Taylor. Uh, okay, stop what you're doing right now. Go look, look up Roger Taylor in the "I Want to Break Free" video. That honestly, I think that's why this video got banned is because too many old straight guys went. Whoa! I am way too attracted to Roger Taylor as a <laughs> yes. as a schoolgirl. <laughs> look at the, look at the photo. I'm I'm feeling Hermione. God damn it! He is so pretty. <laughs> he is Hermione Granger, House Gryffindor. He's got the tie on that's the same colors. He's as the Gryffindor. He is Emma Watson. So fabulous! It's, it's fucking stupid. Fabulous. This album does fine in Europe, but it tanks and. The U.S. due to, like, lack of publicity from it getting banned from MTV. So they've had, like, this whole not being able to break through and not being able to do that. Really, at this point, they're not the rock stars they used to be. No, they're not. And they need an adrenaline shot. They really do. And so there's this concert called Live Aid. Maybe you've heard of it. But if you haven't, you need to look it up. (laughs) So, um, they're not pulling the crowds they used to. 
And they're not really pulling the album sales they used to. They're what we would consider washed up at this point. So then this guy named Bob Geldof was putting together this huge concert called Live Aid in 1985 to raise money for the famine in Ethiopia. Like, it was literally like anybody who was anybody was playing at Live Aid. Um, Bob Dylan was playing at Live Aid. Led Zeppelin was having their reunion concert at Live Aid. Like, just everybody. And guess who showed up at Live Aid? Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Oh, did they? Yes, they I didn't, did. I didn't, they did oh. show up there. So Surprised. Qu- Queen oh. basically had to beg, borrow, and steal to get invited to Live Aid. Um, I think the connections with Princess Diana may have maybe. played into that. You know what? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's a very well, fair theory. Probably played into that being like, maybe maybe he should sing it like that. my friend Freddie on. It'll be fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they had to basically, like, them getting put on at Live Aid in Bob Geldof's eyes at this point was like, Fine, throw a bone to these washed up guys from the 70s. And as a band person, you're literally saying, okay, come up with a 20 minute set. Yeah. Get it done. Go with it. Run with it. And they're like, okay, (laughs) we're playing at Live Aid. All right. (laughs) Again, if you've never heard of Live Aid, do it. Pause this right now. Google Live Aid. It is considered the best live performance ever. We'll wait. Google Live Aid. Are you back? What is the very first thing that comes up when you Google Live Aid? Oh, is it the Queen performance? Fuck yes it is. Ah, oh my god. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan just knocked over his drink. <laughs> Katie got me cackling. Baby, baby, you okay? It you had okay? a lid on it. Okay, okay, girl. But no. They stole the fucking oh that is an, show. that is an understatement not only did they steal the show they ran the show they um so <laughs> they come on after oh, i'm trying to remember who they played after but it was like it was all these like really big and contemporary bands or like old bands that were having a big and it was supposed to queen was supposed to be like Sidebar. It was supposed to be the performance where everybody went to the bathroom and got drinks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you're having a good time. Go, go. No. They stole the fucking show. Best They performed. Like, no, Rolling Stone still calls this the top concert performance ever, period, statement, like, end of the sentence. You know what I mean? (laughs) Surely Um, (laughs) They actually, they paid the um, sound guys to put their volume up above oh. like 20 decibels louder or whatever the decibel that makes count sense. is or like the of everybody else's I didn't know that yeah so they come out and um they play this badass performance so in they, they start with um Bohemian Rhapsody as you would do if you were queen and Freddie hated performing that because but he, he knew piano, well but, he, but they he, they he, did an abridged version and then and they went into Radio Gaga. And then they, and like, it, the, the performance trend. still gives me goosebumps because like. Queen is fabulous at transitions. They like really they are. they are fabulous with being able to transition one song into another and make it feel like one so big again, performance. We could do a whole episode on their yes. performance at Live Aid, <laughs> yes, so we'll we cut could. it short. But what we're trying to get at is that um, 
Queen was has-beens, and after this one performance, they were rock stars again. Yeah, it put them back on top, and they are famous again. Yeah. They get back into the groove of pulling out a new album every year, like they used to do. They did one in 86, 89, 1991, so it's not like every year, but more like every other year. They're getting older. I mean, that's a lot of work. Most of them have families at this point. They're getting older, but like, yeah, they're, they're doing great again. They're on top. So, except in 1987, Freddie was diagnosed with this new disease called HIV. Okay, it's not new to us right now, but but in 1987, um, so sad. It was uh, at the time HIV/AIDS was a death sentence. There was no because now. I we mean, have medication. We have medication. You can live the rest of your life, or you can live another 20 years, or you can... Back then, it was, oh, you have... They were calling it gay cancer. And it was a death sentence, and you were going to die sooner rather than later. So at the time, obviously, you're not going to tell... You're not going to step out on the street and be like, I have AIDS! Well, like, you're not going to do that. I mean, that. you still wouldn't do that now. That would be no. weird. But, but... Um, <laughs> he was already a really private, private person. Yeah. So it was very much a... Um, he told only the people that needed to know. So obviously, he told his partner, Tim, and Tim got tested. And he tested positive. And then... He told he, Mary. And she didn't. She she was not... If she got tested, she was negative. I don't think they had a sexual relationship. They hadn't had a sexual relationship. Well, no, Mary had a husband at this time. Yeah. So, yeah. so they didn't have a sexual relationship um, with Freddie. He told all the members of Queen, because, I mean, they needed to know. They were his business partners, more <laughs> or less. So you know? what I read was... Is that they heard rumors about it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh... And he literally pulled them into a room and was like, look, you already know what I'm about to say. You know what I'm suffering from. You know what the problem is. But I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to make music until the day I fucking die. Mic drop. Bam. Of course you, like, what else would he want to do? Artist. 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 And the it's so beautiful that, like, his... His bandmates completely respected that. They were like, okay. They never talked okay. to a single soul about it. They were I just mean, like, imagine getting a death sentence and being like, okay, I'm cool with that. No, I'm going to make music of, till I die. Speaking of death sentence, um, let's discuss AIDS in the 1980s, specifically this is in America. Tragic. We're going to like bring it down to a bit. A bit of a sad point, and um, we won't spend a lot of time on this. We are going to do a Patreon episode just based on this. But um, people didn't understand AIDS. In the early 80s, it was literally called gay plague or gay cancer. So it was basically, for someone who's not gay, it was like a way to weed out the gays. (laughs) (laughs) Year I mean, by, I hate to be mean about it. I know, it. but, like, year by year, the AIDS death toll were, like, doubling or tripling. In the U.S., in 1981, there were 200 deaths. And then in 1982, there were 800 deaths. And then in 1983, there were 2,400 deaths. Okay, let's do the math. Backtrack three times the deaths. And, like, um... Bad. Bad situation. And it's just, like... The, the president is ignoring it. Like, oh, you're getting rid of the gays. Yeah, Reagan, oh, well. No. I don't think he personally 
felt let's, that way. Let's not. We'll go into it in the um we'll go into it more in the Patreon episode. But the sad thing is that um the president of the United States didn't come out and actually speak about it until 1985 when Rock Hudson died and by then there were 5600 people a year in the United States dying of AIDS. Ugh. Let's not beat around the bush. Yeah, let's not get if into this. If this was a disease affecting um, middle-class white people, this would have been tackled two years. A long year, time ago. Yeah, two years before long or whatever. long time ago. Freddie did not. He was so private. Yeah, he didn't want people to know about it. And he swore everyone to up and down to... Don't tell us. Don't soul. say a soul. I don't know if he told his family, like his parents. No, he didn't. Um, but they couldn't tour... Because if they, the United States had a ban, like, to come and visit the U.S., you had to test negative for HIV. And so if they tried to do a tour without going to the U.S., that would definitely raise eyebrows. And also, Freddie couldn't have swung that. No. And But in 1989, their album, The Miracle, was out. And they had toured with it without going to the U.S., and it would... You know, definitely raise some eyebrows yeah. without doing that. Um, so Freddie has free time since they're not going on tour. And they've just put out this album, The Miracle, and he's just going to sit back and let it roll in. And then he's like, huh, maybe I'll, I've, what have I always wanted to do? Opera. <laughs> How surprising as so you So he do. puts out an opera album as one does. Yeah. And in Barcelona, a duet album he puts out with this famous Spanish female opera singer. I mean, is this the bougiest thing? He puts out an opera album. Yes. Bougie, bougie. I mean, bougie, he's got bougie. like a four octave range. Yeah. So why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to keep yourself busy and out of the public eye, put out an opera album. I mean, he said he wanted to bring opera to the masses. It's pretty low-key. <laughs> That's pretty low-key. <laughs> the press were not respecting his privacy. And they're, like, continuously acting, asking questions. And it's yeah. not cool. It's and not I, cool. I read, like, some really brutal questions where he was coming home from, like, grocery shopping. You know, everybody needs groceries because everybody got to eat. And they're like, Freddie, what's in the bag? Is it drugs? Is it medicine for your AIDS? What's How going on? How fucking painful is that? Like, but it wasn't just Freddie. It was like anybody in the band. Like Roger Taylor's just trying to go out with his wife or whatever. How horrible and is like, that? Tell me about Freddie. And Roger Taylor has this one story where like, yeah, he's just trying to go out with his wife. And this like reporter accosts him and is like, does Freddie have AIDS? And like, he doesn't know what to say. So he was just like, no, me and Freddie went to the gym yesterday. He's doing fine. Which... Obviously, Freddie was not going to the gym, you know? And there were a lot of, like, noted things where the bandmates, like, lied openly. Oh, yeah. They had to, I mean, but they made a promise to their friend. They How been, could you not? Exactly. How could you not? If somebody said, I'm going to die in a few months. Or they're like, Freddie looks so gaunt in that picture. And so Brian May is like, oh, that was just a bad angle. Get better at taking pictures. You know, like. Good friends. Good friends. Friends. Talking about my best friends. Ooh, you make <laughs> me live, oh, honey. Sorry, I had to. I had to. <laughs> um, so in 1989, um, Freddie wasn't ready to stop. No, he wanted to get back he into the studio. He was at death's door, but he's like, look, I've got nothing 
else to do except write songs. I've got all these songs. That's my my job in and life is like, to make music. Everyone is like, are you up to this? And he's like, it's either sit around and thinking about dying or get in the studio and make songs. And so everyone's like, cool. So we'll he, ends up, he ends up traveling to Montreux, Switzerland to record his last album at the Mountain Studios. So if you have an opportunity, Gorgeous. please look at this. Like gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Like it is picturesque, beautiful mountain town. He's recording music. Nathan, can you talk me off, boo? Living his best life. Ooh, you're making me live. (laughs) No, but like, I mean, they've got all the money in the world. Of course, they're going to go to the most picturesque place. And Freddie knew he was never going to perform again live, you know? No. It took lots and lots. Just to sing in the studio. So this is where they... So I read this is really sad. And it's very similar to what we talked about earlier where Freddie recorded like a line of a song like three times because he knew that he wasn't going to actually be there in the the, final editing. Yeah. So he recorded a certain line in the song three separate times to make sure that, okay, I got the right take. So during this recording session, they recorded this song called The Show Must Go On. Please listen. And if you don't know this song, you need to go back and listen to it and know that it's the last song that Freddie ever recorded. And as a singer, um, it is a very difficult song to sing. It's a (laughs) difficult song to sing for someone who is healthy. Yeah. (laughs) Freddie, like you said, he had to record it line by line because it took everything out of him. Yeah, it was difficult. And um, he would record a line and be like, let's do it again. And And at the end of it, like, because the last last stanza of the song, I mean, he does this line that is... Like the show must go. Ah, obviously, uh, I can't do it. it is so I'm what he I'm getting it what speak. he had to do. Like they were like, Freddie, are you sure you can do this? And he took a shot, and he was like, Let's fucking do the thing, darling. Uh, that kills Let's me. Let's fucking do the thing, said, darling. He said, you know darling. That's the, that's the tagline uh, for this episode, Nathan. That's the tagline for this episode. We just fist bumped. <laughs> Let's fucking do the thing, darling. Boom. And he did it, and that was the last uh, song. He ever recorded. So and it's beautiful and it's haunting. And if you don't know the song, go listen to it right now. Beautiful. Like, it, it, it just speaks to the artist that he was. So, so he retires the, to his home in England. So his bandmates and everybody surrounding him. I mean, he has AIDS. It's his last breath. Everybody knows what's going to happen. And one thing that I, like, really took to heart was, like, his whole... All his band and every his followers, him, everybody, everybody's around him, and they're all trying to be like, "How's the weather? How's the this?" And then he just literally is like, "Shh, I don't want y'all to make small talk. I just want to be around you, and I just want to feel my friends <sighs> being there with me in my last breaths, like." That, to me, speaks so much about Freddie and his artistry. No, he just... Like... He didn't want everyone just sitting around talking about unimportant things. He just wanted everyone to take in his last moments. 
So, on November 23rd, 1991, Freddie made a public press release confirming that he has AIDS. It said, and this is abridged because, um, brevity. And it said, um, I wish to confirm that I have been tested HIV positive and have AIDS. The time has come now for my friends and fans around the world to know the truth. And I hope that everyone will join me, my doctors, and all those worldwide in the fight against this terrible disease. My privacy has always been very special to me. I'm famous for my lack of interviews. Please understand this policy continues. So what he's saying is he's making the announcement, but he's also saying, don't come knocking on my door. I'm not going to talk to you about it. Don't come knock on my door. Oh, <laughs> I won't be waiting for you. Okay, so that was on November 23rd. On November 24th, <sighs> Freddie passes away. This kills me. Because, he, like... His longtime partner was with him. And Roger Taylor was, like, a football field away. And he's going to visit Freddie at his house, and he gets a phone call. And in the phone call, they told him not to bother to come see Freddie because he passed away. Like, don't come. He's, <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm not crying. The only other crying. episode that I nearly cried on was the uh, Marie Antoinette, or maybe yeah. the Alexandra Fiernova episode. I, I'm not going to let anybody <sighs> else know. All of them. <laughs> They're all sad, but oh my god. Poor this baby. like hits home. Like it's very So Freddie passes away and there's like a huge mourning. So um if nothing else in the world, you cannot say Freddie was not generous. Exactly. He left five hundred thousand dollars to his chef. He left five hundred thousand dollars to his gardener. Because they had been his chef and his gardener for 10 years. And it's not like you can just pick up and... To his partner, Tim, he left $500,000 and a plot of land in Ireland. But what what happened to the rest of the money? To Mary Austin, he left his mansion in Kensington, where she still lives. He left um, all his royalties. And at the time of his death... $75 million. She also got his ashes oh. that were to be spread and in undis- a... And un- undisco- like and she nobody still nobody knows. She still, to this day, she's like, yeah, spread them. No, I'm not going to tell you where. Like, she uh, still, to this day, will not tell like, anybody where. Oh, uh, my heart bleeds. And well, what he said, what he said in his will, and he said, um, if I was a normal man and you were a normal woman, we would have been married. And it would all been yours anyway. Though a lot of people feel like Tim got gypped in it. I don't think so. I think he got... I mean, he can live a nice life. He got (laughs) $500,000 and a plot in Ireland. He's not... Invest that shit, you're fine. (laughs) Well, he's He's passed away. He's okay, He's passed away, but he's... His family's okay. Everybody's okay. (laughs) But yeah, um, shortly after his death, um, there was a huge tribute. 
a huge live tribute. And Axel Elton Rose, John. Elton John, David Bowie. David like, Bowie literally, like, at the end of it, kneeled in the Lord's Prayer, which I don't know if Freddie would be okay Because Freddie was not Christian. Whatever, but, whatever. But maybe he was just showing, like, respect. our depth respect. of respect for him. Exactly. And so I think that's, like, it was really, like, whenever I saw that tribute to him, I was like, oh, I just want to bawl my eyes out. Like, um, And so then let's talk about... The whole reason I know who Queen is. In 1992, less than a year after Freddie passed away, the movie Wayne's World came out. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. My mom had the soundtrack. And the first or second song on the soundtrack was Bohemian Rhapsody. And six or seven year old Katie was like, no, play that song again. Play that song again. And my mom would like, have me like when she had friends over because I was six or seven years old and knew every word to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, she would have friends over. It was like a party trick. It was like, yes, queen. Watch my daughter that knows everywhere, and I was like, <laughs> just gotta get right out of here. Yes. And it. so that's how I knew who um, Queen was. But, and that's um, why you're fabulous. That's why I'm fabulous. <laughs> I do. I do attribute Queen to the only reason I have good taste in music. Like if I Touché. if my first favorite band ever had Touché. been I don't fucking know Backstreet Boys or something like that <laughs> my first favorite band ever was Queen and that's why I am so cool <laughs> is, is that a question no it's a statement but um so Bohemian Rhapsody after Wayne's World hit number 1 in the UK for the second time becoming the only artist who has ever hit number one two times by the same artist that many, like, the, I'm, I'm sorry, this, the only song that's ever hit number one two times by the same artist that many years apart. And it hit number two in the U.S., which is the highest it ever hit. Get it, Fred. <laughs> Freddie actually famously said once, he was like, what do I have to do to break the top five in the U.S.? Die? Uh, and the answer was yes. Sorry about it. Uh, my heart is broken. So let's talk about Freddie's legacy. What is he? He's a gay icon, artist, artist, flamboyant, like he opera singer. People will be talking about him for centuries. I genuinely think two hundred years from now they will be talking about Freddie Mercury's influence on music, yeah. on culture. On everything. Like, so he love it, love it, love it. He is a legend. He is an icon. One last thing I want to say we have set up a fund with the Mercury Phoenix Trust, which is um, Freddie Mercury's, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Foundation. Foundation. Charity Foundation. Freddie Mercury's Charity Foundation, which educates and helps people in countries that are affected by AIDS still. We want to raise $200. Our last episode we published in the first day got about 1,200 downloads. If each one of you donates 50 cents, we will meet that $200 in a day. So come on. Do it. Do it. We um, love you. Thank you. And we'll, we're going to post that in the show notes and on all our social medias. But really... We love Freddie. Nathan... <laughs> Nathan. Cheers to the queen of queens. Cheers to the queen of... (laughs) 
Yes, yes. queen. Yeah. Love you. So thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just like hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on iTunes at Queens Podcast. All one word. All smushed up. Queens Podcast. Um, follow us on Facebook. Our intro music is by K Sparks featuring Beyond Belief. Thanks for letting us use your song, guys. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Bye, girl. Clink, <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.